You're listening to the Unitarian Universalist Church of Lexington podcast. Take a moment to center yourself in this space and enjoy this week's sermon. Today's reading is from Nadia Lines, a young adult British poet currently studying at the University of Cambridge. She's written this poem in the style of a series of tweets, and it is titled, What is Happening to Jesus of Nazareth and What You Can Do to Help? A Thread. You may know Jesus, that preacher, teacher, healer, magic man with a clear silt skin. You may have seen him around town, raising the dead and making friends. Maybe he cleaned up your acne. Maybe he showed you the gold humming of God. Take a look at his tumbler at at Carpentry Queen. Of course, Q-W-E-E-N, she spells it. Jesus is a rebel leader, activist, socialist, pacifist, and last night he was arrested by the Roman authorities, dragged away while praying without resisting. They have beaten him. Unless we do something, they will crucify him. I am practically begging you to bring him bandages, clean cloth, even bear the cross if you can. Email Pontius Pilate. Weep at Jesus' feet. Donate to Mary's GoFundMe. Sign this petition to have him released. Change.org slash Save Jesus of Nazareth. We only need 100,000 signatures. Like, share, retweet. Pressure your local legionary. Call out Judas. Rescue a sweet man whose only crime was gentleness. Do not let Jesus out of your mind, your timeline, your thoughts, your prayers, your Instagram stories. Together, we demand mercy. Uh, this blew up. Check out my Etsy. What are your favorite signs of the season? Go ahead. Just tell me. Snow. Great. Life. Changing leaves, chocolate, baked cookies, Christmas music, fires, wonderful. Heard a few over here too. Decorations. How many people look forward to all the Christmas decorations in, I don't know, I saw them as early as September. (laughs) How many of you are looking forward to solstice? Hmm. Yule. Got Yule. It's coming. Kwanzaa. Christmas. How many of you say your favorite thing about the season is Jesus of Nazareth? Hmm. How about Santa Claus? Ah, a little more response there. Walking my dog through the neighborhood, I have enjoyed seeing all of the signs of the season unfolding. I see a lot of signs of many seasons unfolding. There's Halloween decorations galore now. 
there's Thanksgiving decorations. One neighbor is keeping very bright purple lights, it seems, year-round on their bushes. <laughs> One street in particular I walk down has a great kind of clash of decorations. Some are very sparse. They do the New England style with the candles and the windows and just ribbons and holly and very simple. Others have blinking lights. They have the projectors with the light shows, surely blaring into some neighbor's window that they don't particularly want. <laughs> and then there's one house in particular that I've watched unfold for quite some time now. Their signs have been interesting. They have a plain wooden cross staked into their yard with a nice little sign in front of it that says, Jesus died for you. Every time I walk by it, I have a theological argument with that sign. <laughs> and the other signs have rotated. They've had a lot of anti-vaccination signs. Stop the madness, the signs would say. And now, just very simply, Jesus is the reason for the season. It's one that I'm seeing shared by other people down that same road. As a Unitarian Universalist minister, I get asked often, and not just in Kentucky, what do Unitarian Universalists believe about Jesus of Nazareth? It's a fair question. We call ourselves a church here in Lexington, so we're naturally lumped in with the other churches. Unitarian Universalists are notorious for giving different answers to this question, or many questions, who we are. That's kind of the point. We still celebrate Christmas and Easter, we and, we and we have Christer families, those who only come on those two days of a year. <laughs> UU congregations in New England might say the Lord's Prayer during service every week, celebrate Monday, Thursday, or have regular bread and wine communion services. We sing some familiar hymn tunes that make many Protestants go, I know that song. All of that and then some, people will twist their faces in confusion when we finally throw in, oh, oh, we're not specifically Christian. I laugh because I overheard someone, and maybe it was here, and maybe it was somewhere else, I'll never tell. Maybe it was all of the above. Overheard someone telling a visitor once, oh, we don't do the Jesus thing. Well, yes and no. And that's our answer to so many questions. Yes and no. Maybe a little bit of this and that. For the question of Jesus and Christianity, it's a little more complicated in a country like ours, where Unitarian Universalism provides a refuge from the abuses of fundamentalism. And so there's that. It's a difficult question. This confusion people experience leads to all sorts of murkiness and reactions too. We've had people leave because they were appalled a church would decry fundamentalism that we were not being harmonious with Christendom. I've had visiting Christians tell me they felt we weren't Christian enough. I always liked that one, because I would never dream of walking into a synagogue or a Hindu temple and saying, you're not Christian enough. But that further highlights the murkiness. We have Protestant roots, absolutely. It's pretty obvious in many of the ways we gather and practice Unitarian Universalism. And yet we've decided another path is our way. An old commentary on American religion once remarked about Unitarian Universalism that we are either the most liberal of the Protestants or the most conservative of the humanists. Most humanists don't sing hymns and have clergy. They couldn't figure out which. Amidst all of this, Judaism and Christianity are explicitly stated 
as possible sources of our inspiration and spirituality and philosophical way of living. And so here we are, amidst this month where most of the festivals of light unfold. The biggest one in our society, Christmas, has been leaping and bounding along since just after Halloween. And while we Unitarian Universalists give nods to other festivals, perhaps even making space to celebrate them if we have members whose heritage honors them, Christmas takes the bulk of the attention. We can try to make it all about Santa Claus and reindeer, just like we might try to make Easter all about eggs and bunnies. But come Christmas Eve night, if we were to replace Silent Night with the more agreeable UU version, many UUs would demand the traditional words. There's something to be said about tradition. Whether or not we believe in them, whether or not we believe the stories to be literal or personally relevant. Now, if we were a part of what's called the ethical culture movement, it wouldn't be a big deal at all. We'd celebrate a mostly secular solstice and the building would be closed until the new year. We've thrown in our lot with our heritage. And I do think that's a good thing. In 2022, when it feels like Christianity is in crisis, Unitarian Universalists have an opportunity to talk about Jesus of Nazareth in a way that liberates him from the religion about him. Now, we can't liberate Christianity. That is for our Christian siblings to figure out. But as a faith tradition inspired by our Protestant past, amongst many other inspirations, we get to stake a claim. We get to say, no, an ultra-nationalist, homophobic, transphobic, hyper-masculine, poor-rejecting, woman-subjugating, wealth-obsessed Jesus <laughs> many of us have been subjected to is not how we read the story. It's not how we experience this particular prophet. We get to stake that claim proudly and clearly. It doesn't mean, to mean we need to say we're Christians, right? <laughs> no. Quite the contrary. It means we can say what is good and right about the story of Jesus of Nazareth while still being free thinkers on this unique path of ours. Now, I have very complicated feelings about Jesus. There have been moments in my life where I thought it was quite possible. I'm a Christian humanist. I've explored it. I've made peace with that story. Let me be clear, I've not made peace with fundamentalism or literalism. And as an aside, Let's never forget that fundamentalism and biblical literal, literalism are fairly new in the history of Christianity, but I digress. When I ask myself what I love most about Christianity, the answer is never Jesus. So for that answer alone, I know Christianity, humanist or otherwise, is not for me. Instead, I love the raw humanity of the biblical texts. Now, I'm a theology nerd. I'm a Bible geek. I love that book for its peculiarity and its depth. And my hope is that one day it is free from the idolatry that consumes it and people can engage it in the way it was meant to be engaged. It's a complex gathering of wisdom, folklore, some history, myth, lamentation, prayer, a gathering of human stories where God is more like a stage director than a cosmic vending machine or a tyrant. And my hope for the story of Jesus is that it is seen for what it was for the early Christian communities. The story of a man who, yes, did exist, that defied an empire, that defied an emperor, and gave hope to those crying for justice. My hope is that the story of Jesus is seen as a diverse story, 
that it is a story that encourages diversity of opinion. There are four Gospels in that book that tell completely different, though sometimes harmonious, stories. Say what you will about the early church councils, but they knew what they were doing when they put four completely different perspectives on Jesus into that book. Four different interpretations, four things that could never be harmoniously reconciled. Diversity is at the core of that tradition. Some say love is at the center of the teachings of Jesus, but I would add mystery too. And four different voices sharing familiar but changed stories invites us into mystery. It invites us not into history, but into wrestling with humanity. What if the story of feeding the 5,000 had nothing to do with the miracle of multiplying food out of thin air, but instead had to do with the miracle of community? Hungry, fearful, hoping, following some strange preacher into the countryside. I'll never ask you to do that. Doing as their teacher did. Digging into their packs, finding what little food they had, and suddenly everyone had something. What if the miracles all had to do with acceptance, equity, justice, meeting people where they are? The blind man healed did not regain literal vision, but gained acceptance in a society that could not acknowledge him, could not accept his difference. The casting out of demons was a calming of the mind, a listening presence, what we, what we might call mental health first aid, and the resurrection, an acknowledgement that their beloved teacher would live on in their hearts. There are a million other possibilities, ways of reading miraculous stories and realizing that the real miracle was in the communities they concern. There's also a million other things I'd love to geek out about today. I want religious liberals to know that the verses we hate from the Apostle Paul are the ones he never wrote, or they've been horribly mistranslated for hundreds of years. That Paul was an apocalyptic man that saw equality across gender, class, religion, and so on. I want to remind us all that Paul's oldest letter anticipates the end coming any day now within his lifetime. And the letters attributed to him that he didn't write are trying to make sense of his failed prophecy. I want to lift up how Jesus never asked to be worshipped, never called himself God, that Jesus prayed to a God of his own understanding, that Jesus had bad days and good ones like everyone else, that the best stories about Jesus are not in the Bible as we know it. The infancy gospel of Thomas has young Jesus running around zapping people to death with his divine power. And when his parents tell him to stop, he threatens them. I love that story. <laughs> Gentle Jesus threatening his parents with divine power. I want to remind everyone that there was no concept of loving same-sex couples in the dominant cultures of the New Testament era, that sexuality and family were rooted deeply in power and class for the Romans, Greeks, and Israelites. I want to dig into the communities today who are reimagining this story for the better, to give their communities hope in their fights for justice and peace and sanctuary. All of that is well and good. We could reimagine the miracles all day, dig into the fullness of those texts if we wanted to. We could all come to an understanding of what Christianity means to us, if anything, as Unitarian Universalists. That is the hope, that we not only say it is a source of ours, but that we are able to understand it, just as we can understand what our other sources might mean to us. Humanism and free thinking, science, words and deeds of people far and wide across time, 
other world religious traditions, earth-centered practices, and our own Unitarian Universalism. That is the hope of a place like ours, that we are on a journey of some sort, together as you use, but diverse in how we bound along life's way. Now, I feel this is especially important today. The confluence of mainstream Christianity with nationalism and the alt-right is hard to avoid. And I hope you know that I know in any such statement, yes, there are Christians who live out the teachings of Jesus. There are those who are trying to reclaim the faith, those who are indeed doing good. I'm talking about the broader discourse, the stresses and battles that we find on the news, that we find ourselves enmeshed in. And while we will certainly join with other Christians, our Christian friends who are committed to justice and dignity, we have some of our own work to do as you use. As long as Christian teachings remain a source of inspiration for us, we all need to know that a place such as this is a place where we can heal from the past, hold on to what is good, and let go of the rest. It's not that we don't do the Jesus thing. It's that we don't do the Jesus thing that divides people rather than unites them. We don't do the Jesus thing that condemns most of humanity throughout recorded history to eternal torment. We don't do the Jesus thing that twists and corrupts the teachings of a poor carpenter from Nazareth that hung out with the outcasts of society, flipped over tables in corrupt temples, and dared to teach the most dangerous thing to any corrupt system of power. Love, tolerance, wholeness, healing, peace, forgiveness. Perhaps here we can find a teacher from 2,000 years ago who says to those of us who are tired, hurting, fearful, a teacher that says, come to me, you who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That is what any good, wise teacher offers, rest. Rest in the knowledge that we are indeed loved, we are enough, and we are not alone. And we have everything we need when we join in community everything we need to heal the hurts of the past. You who were, who were rejected by fundamentalism, here you can find a home and you can reclaim that beloved teacher, should you want to. We have everything we need to say we will not give credence to harmful literalism, a literalism that is counter to the free thinking we cherish, a literalism that squashes the creativity and brilliance of the human mind. We have everything we need to embrace the heart of Christianity, love, mystery, whatever it is for you. We have everything we need to support our friends next to us or online who choose a different path. I've said it often and I mean it that whatever is life-giving and life-affirming in the sources of our tradition, we celebrate those. But we deny wholeheartedly anything that revokes worth and dignity, that revokes someone's autonomy and life we reject it wholeheartedly. Can you believe, believe I've been called anti-Christian for that? <laughs> for me, I seem to recall Jesus talking a lot about life and the blossoming of it and saying, woe to you Pharisees, those who don't speak up, those who turn away from oppression, those who deny dignity and worth to others. One of our Unitarian ancestors, William Ellery Channing, defined religion as this. The adoration of goodness, this is religion. I'll let you toil with what goodness means. For Channing, it meant looking at the life of great exemplars of religious traditions, and for him, mostly Jesus. Looking to their lives and emulating their virtues as best as possible. 
but also in realizing within these exemplars, these prophets, there was humanity, flaws, vulnerability. Jesus expressed anger. He cursed a fig tree for not producing fruit. He wept. He mourned. He flipped over tables. He doubted. He died. It was that humanity that William Ellery Channing looked to and to which we are called to look to as well. We cannot sum up the varieties of how we deal with the Jesus thing, but we can heal the wounds that we may have, hold on to what is good, and realize that as Unitarian Universalists, we have a stake in that story, but also we have a stake in reclaiming and reimagining it. And this is a valid option too, deciding that the story is no longer a part of our path. This holiday season, with reasons aplenty, that is the freedom this faith affords us. To join together and yet affirm difference and diversity in our midst. To adore goodness, especially in those sources we draw from. And so however you celebrate this time, a blessed Advent, a blessed Hanukkah, a blessed Yule, a blessed Solstice, a blessed Kwanzaa, a Merry Christmas, and all of the above and none of them to all of you. May they bring you joy. Blessed be. Amen. I hope you've enjoyed this week's podcast. If you would like to learn more about us, please visit our website at www.ucl.org, where you can find more information about our grounds, staff, and upcoming events. You can also subscribe to our e-news there and learn about our virtual service offerings. We'll see you next week.